So good morning to you all and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is New Year's Eve. Did you know that? Today's New Year's Eve. Tomorrow marks the beginning of the year 2024. Will this year be any different for you or for our church? Only God knows and only time will tell. But as long as we walk with the Lord, we can have faith and hope that he will see us through anything that we might face in this coming year. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of the Christmas carols that we enjoy singing so much each year. And we've looked at the scriptures that they are based on to see what those carols uh, teach us about our faith and about God. And we're going to continue this series actually through next Sunday. Next Sunday is Epiphany Sunday, the first Sunday after January 6th, which represents the end of the 12 days of Christmas. For those of you who didn't know that, that song actually has a base to it. It's not just a fun little song to sing. But Epiphany Sunday is the day in the church calendar where we remember and celebrate the Magi from the East following the star to come and bring their gifts and worship the Christ child. So for next week... We're going to look at the carol, As With Gladness, Men of Old, as it talks about their journey and why they came. For this week, I thought we might look at another carol that we sing each year. We just sang it, in fact, and if you were here on Sunday evening, you heard Steve, Joan, and Melissa Hepner sing this carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. There's a great story behind this carol, and the words are very profound, And each verse ends with the same words about peace on earth and goodwill to men. And if you're familiar with Luke chapter 2, that's how the message of the angels ended, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. So instead of turning to one scripture passage for this morning, I've put a number of different verses together, and they're going to be up here on the screen. I invite you all to stand with me for the reading from God's word, and I ask that you would read these together with me. Each of these verses tell us something about the peace that we can have through faith in God. I'm going to read where each verse comes from, and then we will read the verse together. And we'll start in the Old Testament with a verse we're probably very familiar with this time of year, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From Isaiah 26.3 You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. From Psalm 4.8 I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 29.11 The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Psalm 37, 37. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they who have your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Isaiah 55, 12. We read this together earlier. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. From the New Testament, John 16, 33. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And finally from Luke 2. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Lord, these are all words from your word that speak about the peace we can have through faith in you. As we look at this carol today, Lord, and as we look at our lives and as we anticipate this uh, new coming year, show us, Lord, how we can have peace. I pray always, Lord, that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. (coughs) You know, there are a lot of other verses we could have read together about the peace of God. And if we took the time to read them all, well, it would have taken all the time we have left together this morning. So I just chose those. And I chose those verses about peace because the verses in this carol that we're looking at today all end by talking about peace on earth and goodwill to men. Again, the words that the angel chorus ended with as they were delivering the good news to the shepherds. Our hymnal lists five verses to this hymn or carol, but there are actually seven verses that were originally written. The two that are not included in our hymnal are a little darker. They speak of a time in the author's life when he was struggling with this whole concept of peace on earth and goodwill to men, and we're going to get to those verses in just a little bit. But to begin with, just a little background, this hymn or this carol was written by a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Most of you have probably heard that name before. He's credited with many other writings as well, poems such as Paul Revere's Ride, the Song of Hiawatha, Evangeline, and this one that we're looking at that that was originally titled and written as a poem called Christmas Bells. Longfellow was a literature professor at Harvard University for 17 years, and what we have as the carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, again began simply as a poem that he wrote. It was later put to music by a man named Jean-Baptiste Calkin, and he gave us the tune that we still sing today. And this man, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, had his share of troubles and tragedy in his life. His troubles began in 1835 when his first wife, Mary, died 
after complications from having a miscarriage. So not only did he lose his first child to a miscarriage, he then lost his wife shortly thereafter when complications arose from her losing her baby. For those of you who have uh, lost a child through miscarriage, and there are a lot of people who have gone through that, you know what he was going through. But to then lose your wife on top of that, it caused Longfellow to slide into a time of deep distress and despair. Now, eventually, he came out of it, and a few years later, he did meet another woman, and eventually the two of them got married, and they were blessed with six children together. Life had turned around for Longfellow, at least for a time. The Poetry Foundation uh, talked about his second marriage this way. They say that the marriage was an exceptionally happy one for both partners and brought Longfellow the domestic stability he had missed. However, in 1861, when his second wife, Frances, who he called Fanny, was working sealing envelopes with hot wax, a flame caught her dress and then her clothes on fire. Henry rushed to her aid, tried to smother the flames, but by the time the fire was out, his wife had been burned beyond recovery. And Longfellow himself got burned badly as he tried to put out the flames that, that took his wife's life. In fact, his trademark beard grew in because he had trouble shaving due to the damage done to his face in the fire. But that wasn't the end of all of his problems and trials. He was a staunch abolitionist, believing that the practice of owning slaves was evil. So he was in favor of the Civil War, if it would bring an end to slavery. But he wasn't really thrilled when his oldest son, Charlie, ran off and signed up to fight. Charlie did well. He advanced in the ranks, made it all the way up to second lieutenant. He fought in the Battle of Chancellorsville in Virginia. He narrowly missed having to fight in that very bloody battle at Gettysburg because he had come down with typhoid. He was actually blessed to come down with that, if you can believe that, because he didn't have to fight in that fight. But he eventually recovered and was back in the fight by 1863. But his luck was running out. In his first battle back, Charlie was shot. The bullet went through his left shoulder, all the way through his body, and exited out under his right shoulder blade. Traveled all the way through his upper body. So while Longfellow was having dinner at home on December 1st, 1863, he received a telegram that his son had been severely wounded. He soon found out that his son had survived his injury, was not doing well, but had survived, and he was then brought home to recover under the care of his family. So Longfellow found himself staring down another Christmas season as a widower with five children dependent on him and his oldest child, on the brink of death. And outside, he heard the Christmas bells ringing. But I imagine he could also hear the sound of cannons and, and gunfire going off in his mind. The world as he knew it was tearing itself apart. There didn't seem to be much space for peace on earth or goodwill to men. And that's the background story under which the words of this poem were written. I'm going to put the, the words to each verse um, up here on the, on the screens so you can see them. This is the first verse that we all sing that we're familiar with. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat, <coughs> excuse me, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Longfellow knew the Christmas story. He was familiar with Luke chapter 2 and the words of the angels to the shepherds. He knew that the message of Christmas was one of peace on earth and goodwill to men. But with the war raging around him and with his son suffering from being a part of it, he didn't see how there could be peace on earth. And he definitely didn't see any goodwill being shown to men on either side of the battle. In the midst of all the suffering and anguish he had gone through, Longfellow had somehow lost the true message of Christmas, the message of peace on earth and goodwill to men, that it wasn't about what man was doing, but what God had done for him in sending his son to earth to be a savior. That was the original message from the angels to the shepherds, right? A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And as he watched his son struggle to get better, Longfellow just couldn't concentrate on the true meaning of the season. But he continued writing, and in the second verse to his poem, he wrote these words, And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he was saying that all throughout Christendom, the bells of the churches were ringing out that message of peace on earth and goodwill to men. But he couldn't understand how they could continue ringing out that message with all of the fighting and unrest going on all around him. Yes, he was suffering personally, but he knew of others that had lost loved ones, and he saw the ravages of war. And he was distraught as he looked at the world around him. Yes, the bells were ringing out that message of peace, but he couldn't hear it. He couldn't understand it. At least not yet. And maybe there were different types of peace that Longfellow was longing for. He certainly wanted there to be peace from war. The war had turned his own family upside down, so he longed to see that war come to an end and for there to be peace among men that way. And maybe he was writing about another kind of peace, maybe even peace in relationships. Uh, was there peace in, even in his own household at this time? We're not told much about what was going on in his family except that they were caring for his son. But maybe he had seen other households torn apart and he longed for peace for them as well. How about you? Are you living at peace with everyone? Is your home a, a peaceful place, or do you argue and fight some of the time? Are you a peacemaker or someone who enjoys inciting trouble? Maybe we all need to remember and heed the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Romans twelve eighteen. He said, if, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This was definitely not being played out in the world around him. Longfellow was long, longing for peace, looking for peace, the kind of peace that the bells were ringing out about. But he just couldn't find it in the midst of all of his grief and despair. And what we have as the, the fifth verse in our hymnals is actually the third verse in the original poem. It says this, Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So Longfellow saw the world revolving from night to day, going day to day with all the horror of the war and the brutal attacks from man to man. 
And it didn't seem to matter that the bells were ringing out, a voice or a chime, or even a sublime lofty thought about peace on earth and goodwill to men because he just couldn't see it anymore. He had lost the faith that he once knew. In all the tragedy of his life, he had forgotten the promises that we read together earlier from Scripture. Promises like we read from Isaiah 26.3 that says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Promises from Psalm 4.8 which said, I will lie down and sleep. How? In peace. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. He had forgotten the promises from Jesus in John 14 and John 16, where Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And he went on to say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. He had forgotten Paul's words from Philippians about not being anxious about anything but that in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, he was to just put everything in God's hands. And that through doing this, he could experience a peace that passes all human understanding. He longed for that peace that the bells were ringing out about, but he couldn't find it until, until as that verse from Philippians teaches, he could find something first to be thankful for and then turn back to God in thanksgiving and trust in him for deliverance. And we see this attitude expressed in the next three verses. The next two verses in the poem are ones that we don't have in our hymn books. In the first one that I'm putting up on the screen here, Longfellow wrote these words. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. This verse and the next one speak clearly about the horrors of the war that had so badly injured his son. And in this verse, he's saying that the sound of the cannons have drowned out the sound of the bells that pealed for peace on earth. He was thinking that, that there could be no peace on earth until this dreaded war came to an end. But once again, he had forgotten the promises from Scripture that peace, that true peace, isn't dependent on our circumstances, but that it comes through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he wrote those words, and from each black accursed mouth, he was talking about those cannons. And he was showing the reality of where all of this struggle was coming from. It all came from the original curse of sin. There was peace on earth between Adam and Eve, between man and God, until the curse of sin was brought upon us, because our original parents didn't trust the word of God and gave in to temptation. But what he didn't realize was that he had fallen into that same trap. He was not trusting the word of God that told him time and time again where he could find true peace. Yes, this was an accursed war. And yes, it did tend to drown out the sound of peace. But he was allowing that to happen to him. And we can tend to do that sometimes ourselves, can't we? We can let ourselves focus so intently on the circumstances surrounding us and worry and fret over things that we really don't have any control over. Instead of simply placing those things in the powerful, loving hands of God and trusting him for the outcome. 
The next verse that he wrote has these words that I'm putting up on the screen. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And if you think about how that war divided our nation, it was as if an earthquake had rent our continent in two. And all of the households that had sons and fathers away fighting this brutal war, they were forlorn because they never knew from day to day if they would receive news that their loved one had been severely wounded or had died in battle. Statistics tell us that around 620,000 soldiers died between 1861 and 1865. This is approximately equal to the total of American fatalities in the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Mexican War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, and the Korean War combined. So yes, there were many households who had been blessed with the thought of peace on earth and had known its reality that were now forlorn because they didn't know how their loved ones were doing. The next verse in Longfellow's poem is what we have as our third verse in our hymnal. Again, the words are up on the screen. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can't you just picture this man sitting there, listening to the bells ringing out in the cathedral square and just hanging his head down because he can't find the peace that the bells are ringing out about. He sees the hate in the world. He sees how strong it is. He sees what hate can do to people, to families, and he truly despairs about it. He doesn't want to feel this way, but he does. And I don't know, maybe this describes you. Maybe you've gone through something like this in your past. You've let the circumstances of your life or the circumstances of our world drown out the message that you can have peace in your life through faith in Jesus Christ. This is where Longfellow was as he was writing this poem. He was in despair because he felt that hate had won out. And because of all the hate, he didn't see any way that he could ever experience peace in his life again. He had probably known the message that true peace came from God, not man. He might have even lived that out in his life at one time. But now his despair was too deep. He just couldn't find peace no matter where he looked. And the story of this poem goes on to say that after writing this verse about despair, he just sat there. Sat there in despair, listening to the sound of those church bells ringing on and on and on. And in some ways, it was kind of like the scene from how the Grinch stole Christmas. You guys familiar with that? When the Grinch had taken all the toys and the trees and the garland and bells and even the food from the Who's down in Whoville, and he thought that they would wake up in despair with their heads bowed. But that's not what happened. In that story, the Who's came out that morning, and despite of all the trappings of Christmas being gone, they could still have peace and joy because the message of Christmas didn't come from all the things that came from a store. No, as Dr. Seuss tells us, the message of Christmas was something much, much more. 
And in the same way that the Grinch's heart was changed when he heard the joyous sounds of the Who's celebrating down in the valley despite all of their decorations and presents and food being taken from them. I believe that Longfellow's heart began to change as well as he sat there in his despair, distraught, and he continued to listen to the sound of those bells ringing out even with all the trouble in the world. And as he sat there listening to those bells ringing, a thought dawned on him. He says that he he thought there's got to be more to this life I'm living than just despair. There has to be. There's got to be some hope somewhere. And as he continued to listen to those bells ringing, he then came up with the last stanza of his poem. These are the words that are up on the screen. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. We don't have that as the last verse in our hymnal. Things got rearranged a little bit, but that is the final stanza that he wrote of his poem. See, for far too long, Longfellow had been trying to somehow find peace and joy in all the circumstances of his life, circumstances that had robbed him of two wives, one baby, and almost another son. Really, circumstances that would rob anyone of their peace and joy if that's where they were truly looking to find their peace and joy. But as he listened to those bells ringing, he said that the true message of Christmas came back to him. A Savior had been born, and he had come to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men. And that was a turning point in Longfellow's life, as he once again turned to his Lord and Savior for the peace and joy that he needed, instead of trying to find it in all the fallenness of the sometimes very cruel world. He remembered the message of the scriptures that in the end, the wrong shall fail and the right will prevail. Jesus was triumphant over death for us, and he will be triumphant over the one who brought sin into our world in the first place. Those bells reminded him that God is not dead, that he is not asleep. As Isaiah tells us in another place, he who watches over Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. He might have thought that as his son lay in his bed trying to recover from his nearly fatal wounds, but his son did recover, and Longfellow came back to his faith in God. Friends, God is not dead, no matter what some people in the world are trying to say today. So as we head into this new year, I'm going to put it very simply, put your faith in him. Let him change your heart and your life and give you his peace. For some of you, believing in God possibly means coming to faith in him for the very first time. For others, it's coming back to your faith from your despair, just as it was for Longfellow. This is what this carol is teaching us. No matter what may happen in our world, no matter what may happen in our families, we can turn to God from our despair and we can find the peace that the angel promised to the shepherds that was to be for all people. True peace can be yours through faith in Jesus Christ, the baby born of a virgin wrapped up in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, the one that we focus on and worship during this season of the church. Jesus himself said, (coughs) 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. That's the message of this carol that we sing each and every year. May that message resonate with you as you head into this new year as well. In fact, my prayer for you and for me is that we will rest in the peace that is ours, peace that is promised to us through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we head into this new year together. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord, I thank you that so many times in your word you tell us that we can have peace. This world around us is is longing for peace, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And sometimes, Lord, we do too. So help us, Lord, to know and to see that that true peace only comes from a relationship with you. As we walk with you, Lord, into this new year, may we rest in the peace that is ours through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then may we spread that same message of peace, just as the, as the shepherds went out that night after seeing the Christ child and spread the message, may we, in this new year, spread the message that people can have peace, that they can have joy, because you came to this earth as our Savior. Thank you again for this most precious gift that we receive in your Son, Jesus Christ, for it is in his name that we pray. Amen.